Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Everybody, welcome back to another fabulous conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We are thrilled to have you back and really excited to have a, I like the way you hold your mug there, just like those of you who are seeing this, our Parenting with Impact mug. I'm really excited to have this conversation because this is something we hear from parents all the time. All I've the time. tried everything and nothing works. Or oh, nothing yeah. No. And I just actually had a conversation with a client and her husband this morning. And every time we had a conversation, said something, he'd say, I tried that. And we I tried that. We tried right. that. We tried that. So there's kind of two layers. One of it is the solution strategies, tricks. You know, we've tried that. It didn't work. And then there's this other one, layer of... I've tried school accommodations. I've tried 504s and IEPs. I've tried, you know, a occupational therapy. I've tried, I've tried therapy, tutor. right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So there's that other thing of I've tried all these modalities and yeah. nothing's worked. And so what would make what we do different? Well, so let's talk about that first, because I okay. think that that's an important foundation, which is this sort of what to do and, and why some of these things don't work. And, and actually, another mom I talked to today one of the things we uncovered is that part of the reason all the stuff that she has tried so far didn't work was that it was stuff that was focused on her kid. Mm -hmm. It was a tutor and an executive function coach and a therapist and a this sort of thing. And her kid wasn't interested in getting help at this stage in the game or wasn't ready to get help or wasn't, you know, it's just sort of so much of what's out there. And if this is part of the story of why we created impact parents, right? Elaine is this sort of, there's so much help out there focused on the kids, but if the kids aren't in a place where they're interested in getting help, I see parents yeah. throwing <laughs> away so much money, right? Yeah, and exactly. And, and it's hard. It doesn't mean that this stuff, that stuff isn't helpful. Absolutely helpful when your kid is interested when the kid's ready. ready. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to somebody today about that kind of similar issue is that we actually, the, the secret truth is we actually do offer student coaching, yeah. but we only do it for when people the kids who are, are members of our community when their kids are ready, because we don't want them throwing away thousands of dollars and saying, well, this didn't work because it's not going to work until there's a readiness. So, so this bigger picture of I've tried everything. It didn't work. Partly, sometimes we try things before the kids are ready. Sometimes we're trying things that may not be the right, quote, right treatment. For example, kids with ADHD, recommended treatment is behavior therapy training. And a lot of people think that means put the kid in talk therapy. Right. When in fact, behavior therapy training means put the kid, the parent in parent training 
program so that like, they can like help their kids. School, so they can help their yeah. kids at the time yeah. when there's a need. So one issue here is making sure we've got the right solution or the right series of solutions or modalities or whatever. Well, can I take that a step further for a second? Because therapy is a great example. I've got another couple whose kid is going to a therapist and they're hoping that the therapist is going to fix the kid's executive function challenges. And the kid's really enjoying, no, I know I'm not laughing, but But and the kid and the kid is really enjoying and getting a lot of the therapy, but the kid is getting a lot out of the therapy because he's connecting to another adult. He's able to talk about some of the challenges that he's having just kind of vent and compress and decompress. I mean, we talk about the intermingling between anxiety and ADHD and depression and all this sort of stuff. That kid is really getting a lot out of the therapeutic relationship. The parents are wanting the therapist to focus on teaching them the lagging executive function skills and the kids enjoying it, which is not typically what therapists do. Some therapists do focus on those sorts of things, but typically that's not what they focus on. Well, And so here's what comes up for me is, is to really think about understanding what are you trying to achieve with the modality that you choose. So like I would say the same thing for medication. If you're going to put a kid on medication, that's great. What are you trying to achieve? Is it medication to manage anxiety? Is it ADD medicine? And if so, what ADD behavior are you trying to improve or something? Do you have, and do you have a realistic expectation? And another parent. I've had like all kinds of parents to feed this today, today, right? right? It's this sort of, yes, this child is taking ADHD medication, which is helping them focus, but it's not fixing the problem. Well, that's the problem. (laughs) What's the problem, right? So it's this sort of ADHD medication is not designed to, to fix the backpack. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not going to clean the backpack. Pills don't teach skills. We always say that, but so let's go backwards, which is just what we just said was that be clear on what the goal is of the modality you're picking. Right. And that'll help you to improve the success of that modality. So, so let's look at a couple of examples. Okay. I don't know about you. My kids all did occupational therapy. They all Mm -hmm. did OT. OT wasn't to fix or resolve the ADHD, but it did a lot to help them with their proprioceptive and vestibular systems to figure out where their bodies were in space. So they were less likely to run, run into walls and fall and break things. And, and so you know, or one of them, it was a handwriting issue. So the OT was a very specific modality to address specific issues that we were dealing with. It wasn't fixing a big problem. It was kind of chipping away at pieces of it. Right? Well, and here's a, so OT specifically, you talk about the fact that your kids loved going to the occupational oh, therapist. Gosh, they loved it. And, but they did it when they were young. I tried to send one of mine to the occupational therapist with dysgraphia, which is a really valid reason to go to an occupational therapist. Absolutely. And the kid was too old and the kid's like, oh my gosh, these are baby things. This is terrible. I don't right. want to do this. What a waste of my time, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's just sort of, so part of it is right modality with right the right time. goal at the right time. Right. So let's, so another example, sometimes a kid needs the tutor because they just, they're trying really hard and they need the support to get the learning in to be able to demonstrate what they've learned. Sometimes we give them a tutor because we want them to not fall behind and they're not really bought in and they're not really owning their education. So sometimes it's the right modality. Sometimes it's not same with an executive function coach if that, or, or ADHD coach, if the kid's not bought in and wanting to see improvement, you're likely to end up spinning some wheels. Now, it may be that you just want someone else to take the lead so it's not you. That may be a good enough reason to do it. And And. and it doesn't mean that they'll be able to be any more successful than you would uh, because if your kid's not interested in getting help from you, 
they also may not be interested in getting help from somebody else. Right. Exactly. So I don't know if it's helpful, Elaine, but like I have a few timeframes that I do see different modalities do work really well. So you talked about occupational therapists when kids are younger to kind of handle some of the vestibular sorts of things and some of the dysgraphia. So speech and language pathologist, pathologist, I can't even say it. When your kid has visual, <laughs> You're not supposed visual to be. that's not, why they need an SLP. Right. <laughs> so they need an SLP. Visual processing, some of the auditory processing, some of that sort of stuff, really good modalities. Um, play therapy and social skills sorts of stuff with younger kids who are struggling with those sorts of things. Um, um, but sometimes effective with, with teens if it's the right group and the right match. Right. Um, um, art um, therapy can be really yeah. helpful. Emotion but again, stuff. but let me let me just point to it though, because when you put a kid in therapy, again, are you trying to fix the problem or are you trying to help them manage? Like for therapy, the goal is really to ha- handle the manage and manage the emotions, to feel the feelings. Right. No, and let's be really clear that we're, that what I'm talking about is is the situation, right? So a kid who's trying to learn how to manage their emotions and needs big emotions and needs coping skills and needs help practicing those coping skills, you're going to need to play a role because the therapist isn't with them when they're having the big emotions. At that point of performance. At that point, right. right. So in that instance, uh, working with a therapist around helping your kid to identify and to, and talk therapy in that same instance to kind of process some of the big emotions could be really very helpful. Right. Um, And yet it's probably not going to help them organize their backpack. No. Maybe, but that's probably not what you're hiring a therapist for. No, right? no. So, so, so go to the organizing the backpack. That's the other thing I sometimes notice is somewhere around seventh or eighth grade, middle school ish, when our kids' executive function skills are, uh, we talk about kind of going back and catching catching them up. Catching right? them up. So, yeah. in third and fourth grade, they were learning how to organize their backpack and how to use a, a planner, planner or some yeah. of those other sorts of stuff. And a lot of times in middle school, things get complex and they're now ready to learn those things. So hiring a tutor or an executive function coach at that point to help them learn how to organize themselves because they weren't ready to learn it in third and fourth grade could be a really good, useful thing. Again, assuming your kid is interested in doing a better job of being organized. And some of them really are. Uh, they are. Some of them really are. And I, you know, parents call and say, my kid needs a coach. I always ask, well, is your kid asking for help? And sometimes the answer is yes. And yeah. when it is, then you really want to figure out what's the right help to match with them. Right. If the answer is no, then the place to focus is on you as the parent, yeah. right? Because really your job then is to how do I help them get to a point where they're willing to ask for and accept help. And that's a huge life skill. If we can really help our kids ask for and accept help in life and not feel shamed or wrong or blamed for quote needing help. That's probably the biggest gift that we can give them. Well, and I think as you're saying that I'm like, Elaine, how many parents like know that part of their job is to help their kids develop the skill of asking for help. (sighs) I wish I mean, it's like not, they teach us that in parent school, do they? They don't know. Not at all. We teach that in parent school. We do teach that in parent school. (laughs) We teach but we didn't learn day. that in parents, but we learned that. No, I wish way. I had learned that really early. We learned that from the school of Knox, of, yes. of our Knox. So no, let us no. teach it to you. Part of your right. job as a parent is to help your kid learn the life skill of asking for help. And how without many shame. of us, without shame, and how many mm-hmm. of us are able to do that, right? Is this sort of, right. most of us are those people that like, oh no, I'll just do it myself. It's so much easier. Or 
oh, I, you know, I should be able to do this myself, or I shouldn't need help. This is just parent. How many times do we hear this, Elaine? This is just parenting. I shouldn't need somebody to help me with my parenting. And I should know how to do this. I should know how to do this. And, And those of you who are listening to this podcast probably know better, or you wouldn't be here listening to this podcast. And we know that listening to this podcast for most of us isn't enough. You need more help than just getting ideas of what to do and how to support your kids. I'm going to put a plug in for parent training again, getting help a couple of times, getting help. Okay. So one area of I've tried everything and nothing works has is because we, we throw solutions at the problem, or we think we're trying to fix a problem when the truth is what we're trying, what we really need to be doing is kind of more precisely improving certain areas and being really conscious of what we want the help to to do. What's the change we want to see instead of just saying, well, it's not better. Because usually any of these modalities will help some. But if I want my kid to have an organized backpack and what they're talking to the therapist about is how hard it is to be the youngest child with ADHD, you're still going to feel like it's not working, even if if it's helpful for the kid. Well, and I mean, I'm going to take that a step further because I think you were going a slightly different direction. I've got a parent whose kid is working with, with an executive function coach and an in-school tutor. And one of the things we talked about is like this sort of, if you're focused on, but he's not completely organized, but he's not, you know, it's like, if you're focused on that end point where it's like this sort of, all I can see is that moment when they're ready to graduate from the executive function coach. Well, your kid has executive function delays. And we know that. And, and, They're three to five years behind their peers, which means that if most people's executive function is completely developed by what, age 25 or age 27, these kids are not going to be at the finish line, whatever their finish line happens to be until until they're around 30 years old. And so if you're sitting there looking at at 16, expecting an executive function coach to get them to the end point, I mean... Well, this versus, versus this kind goes of back to progress. what we always say is progress, not perfection, right? right. What we want to look for. So the other thing is when people say I've tried everything and nothing works, if you really break it down, it's just, it hasn't worked enough, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking for a magic bullet and it probably hasn't worked, but if you yeah. can set some realistic expectations and look for the incremental change and look for the progress instead of the perfection, then you'll begin to see and get clear on what is the change that you want. So the other, I just want to close this up because I think the other piece of it is like the change. You may not see the change, right? It's just sort of the change. If your kid is off working with another resource, the change may be kind of invisible to you on some level. And so part of this is your kids seeing that it helps, right? And we said this earlier, if your kid's getting some value out of it and they're enjoying it and they're like, okay, yeah, even if they're not doing the thing that you wish they'd do there could be some real value because they're feeling like there's an adult that's helping them. And again, it gets back to that skill of helping. Having a successful helping relationship is a great way to foster having your kids ask for help in the future. Yeah. Well, and there's a whole bunch of research on resilience and if kids, all kids need is one adult in their life to believe in them, to have the resilience they need to be successful in life. So that's a whole, and we could do that as another Oh, we can that for another conversation. Let's talk resilience. So the other thing I want to talk about, because I'm we're already at like 16 minutes, so we got to watch our time. Is you were the, saying about, oh, about when you tried everything, like literally meaning I tried it before and it didn't work. It didn't I tried work. It before and it didn't work. Right. Right. And so one of the things we teach in Sanity School is rinse and repeat. Right. And so we have this notion 
as parents that we're going to put a solution in place and they should just do what we say. And it's, and that and should, it should work. work that way. Right. And it should work the first time and it should work every time because that's what the experts say. Right. And so here's what we really want to say. First of all, expect that it's not going to work the first time. Any system solution strategy you put in place, expect that it's going to need some tweaking and some massaging. Or, or, or expect, expect that it might work the first time, but, but then it won't, the work, it won't work the first <laughs> 10 times, right? Because right. one of the things we know about kids, particularly kids with executive function challenges, is consistency. consistency. Inconsistency is, is the cornerstone, right? It's just sort of, that's right. parents. our parents of kids with ADHD, particularly, it's like this sort of, some days it works, some days it doesn't. Some days it doesn't. And, it's, right. and some days they can do it on their own. And some days you have to drag them kicking and screaming to make it happen. I mean, that's really by definition what's going on here. And so start by expecting that it won't work the first time or maybe or the second all the time. time. Or, right. And this yeah. you often say, if it's starting to work 80% of the time, that's how you know that they're ready to have some independence around it. Yeah. So that's one piece. The, the other thing I want to say about it didn't work is that often it doesn't work because we've created a solution and we haven't brought them into collaborating on creating the solution. So they're not, they don't have the buy-in. They don't have the ownership. They're not part of it. Well, we yeah. think it's it works for us. So it, it should, must so work. It should, it work, should for them. work for them, right? <laughs> it's a sort of, and there's two parts of that that are kind of broken. One is it doesn't mean that it works for them. I mean, think about right. adults in your life. I mean, Elaine, you and I are so different and the things that work for me, we have to try You're to have not. an organization system that works for both of for us. For both of us, it's hysterical. It's, it's hilarious. like, okay, this works for my brain. That works for your brain. Let's try that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's hilarious. But so think about that piece of it is like, just because it works for your brain doesn't mean it'll work for their brain. And then the other piece of it that you were alluding to, Elaine, is that if it's me giving you the idea I'm taking away a little bit of your power. And if you've got a kid who wants to control more of their life and mom's telling me what to do or dad's telling me what to do, there's going to be a little bit of a resistance and a pushback or a big. Right, right. Because ownership is key. This, What we really want is for them to have a sense of agency over their life. And if we're telling them what to do and when to do it and how to do it and why to do it and when it's right and when it's wrong, at some point they're going to stop trying because why bother? Yeah. Right. Well, and then so sometimes let me just so to yeah. wrap that. So sometimes it's not that it doesn't work, that it won't work. It's that our, the way we got the process started isn't setting yourself up for success. Yeah. Well, and I guess an example kind of there is like a planner. And as school systems do this and parents do this all the time, it's like this sort of we want to teach our kids to use a planner and everybody like, I don't know. Everybody should are, use a planner. Everybody should use a planner. Like at the my kids' elementary school, like literally they handed them out like. I don't know, like bubble gum. Like it's a sort of, right. okay, you're in third grade now. Here's your planner. And they, you know, yep. and what you really want, the life skill is not using the planner. The life skill is a process for remembering stuff that needs to get done by a certain time or date, right? That's the piece of it. And, you know, as adults, a lot of us don't walk around with planners or, or you know, we don't have systems that work the same way. You really want to inspire a kid to come up with something that works for them and not just, you know, follow the rules and, and use the planner. Well, and remember, some of us are motivated by novelty. And so even if you get a system that really works, we may get bored with it and want to change it just because we're bored. So, and I, I sorry, y'all, but uh, believe me, it happens. It, happens. <laughs> it really happens. So there's something here about 
you know, just because you've tried something doesn't mean it's not going to work. It may take the littlest tweak or adjustment or refinement for it to be the best system you ever had. But if you start by saying, I tried it, it doesn't work, then you give up the opportunity to really work with it to figure out how to make it work. And it to me, I'm just realizing that means you want to ask the question, are you really clear what you're trying to, what the problem is you're trying to solve? Well, and I think that there's there's some foundational things that make it make something more likely to work. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you, you talked about collaboration and buy-in. Yeah. So if, if it's a change your kid wants to see and you want to see it, your kid's frustrated that he keeps missing assignments versus your kid's at a point where he's like, I don't care anymore. Right. And right. Um, it's going to be different. So buy-in and that sort of thing. The other piece, what's another piece? Collaboration, like working together. So I want to put a pitch for your kids never too young to collaborate. Mm-hmm. There was a post on our Lifeline forum for our members. Um, and we have a kind of a private forum that's just for members in our programs, Insanity School and Group Coaching. And somebody was posting about a six-year-old. And I honestly, I don't even remember that what the topic was, but it was, you know, how do I get my kid to whatever? And, oh, it was about Halloween candy. And, you know, there's all this Halloween candy. I'm dreading Halloween candy coming up. What do I do? And my response was, have you asked your kid? Like, what if we actually gave them the benefit of the doubt to to think that they might have the capacity to problem solve with us Mm -hmm. and said to them, you know, there's a lot of candy coming in. How do you think we should manage it in a way that's safe and makes sense for you? And because a six-year-old knows they're not going to be given free license to eat candy, candy all day, every day for six weeks. Right. So most of them are pretty clever about that. But if you bring them into the to the issue, all of a sudden it's a shared responsibility instead of you holding this tight agenda of they can't have food dyes, right? And then you've got a battle going on. Right. So collaboration is one if you if you don't have buy-in, you don't have collaboration, those are a couple of things that kind of tend to make things not work. Expecting this is another piece of it. Um not taking into consideration the executive function challenge. Right? Mm, it's just sort of, yeah. they said they'd do it. And then know, they didn't do and it. And then they didn't do it, right? It's just sort of, and well, and if they said they do it and they're, and they're not doing it, there's something else going on there. It's not that they just were lying to you. We've got kids with executive function challenges. Chances are. I mean, but there's a reason. There's so that reason. gives you an opportunity to then take aim on, well, what part worked? We call it the magic three questions. What worked? What didn't work? What do you want to do differently? And so instead of saying, well, that didn't work, there's a chance with the magic three to say, okay, what part of it did work? How can we learn from what was successful, figure out what didn't work and then tweak it and try it again later. And that's really the Which takes us back to the rinse and repeat, right? That takes us back to the bottom line here is that if you've tried it before and it didn't work, look at what part of it didn't work, what part of it did work, maybe start with what did work because it'll give you a little bit more energy, and learn from that, fail forward, instead of just saying, okay, that didn't work. I'm never going to try it again. So there's one more thing, because we're, I know we're at time. And there's one more thing I want to say, which is, we often hear from parents who say, I've tried everything that, and nothing works. I've tried, I've been to therapists, I've been to this, I've been to that. We want to invite you to try a coach approach. Yeah. Because what we learned after, at least for me, trying everything and nothing worked, or <laughs> nothing worked enough for my satisfaction, which is really right. what it was. What really worked was changing my approach, mm-hmm. was changing the way that I was approaching the dynamic with my kids and ultimately bringing my husband on board. That took a couple of years, but he got there, right? And when I started to parent with a coach approach, and I know your story is much the same, Diane, 
that worked so much better because I was no longer trying to get them to fix something or to achieve some goal. I was working with them to learn to understand themselves and manage themselves. And that is the magic of it. That's really what we want more than anything. Yeah. So if you're moving them towards independence and autonomy and taking ownership of themselves, that's the goal, in my opinion. Yeah. Humble opinion. (laughs) <laughs> Great conversation. So even if you've tried everything, we want try we want to inspire again. you. We want to inspire you back to the back into the game. Yeah. And if you're interested in finding out more about the coach approach, join Find us. Find out what should they do. There's always like a little link in the show notes. We'll put a link in the show notes for where you can go to find out more about maybe sanity school or something like that. And most important. If you've tried everything and nothing works, if you hear yourself saying that, chances are it's not really completely true. So let's see what has worked and start focusing on the progress and the successes you've had and see if you can build on the successes you've had. Because if you look back to where they were a year ago, chances are there's some progress. Well, and that's the thing. So it's almost like it's not what worked, but what kind of worked? What moved the needle? Yeah. Yeah. What moved the needle? What kind of worked? I like that. Yeah. That's a good question. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Loving yourselves, loving your kids. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.